Welcome to Joyful Eating. I'm your host, Jules Clancy, a former food scientist and winemaker turned cookbook author and health coach. I've discovered a simple way to have a joyful relationship with food without sacrificing pleasure or my waistline, and I can help you get there too. Listen on to find out how. Hello, hello, and welcome to Joyful Eating, episode number 44. So today we're going to be talking about the fun topic and often fraught topic of feeding children. Uh, but before we get to that, I have to share my best bite. So on the weekend, I made some broad bean pesto. So this year, my broad bean, because it's, we've had such a cool spring and cool beginning to summer. So it took, my broad beans were very late to, to ripen um, or mature, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so harvested some broad beans and I made a broad bean pesto. Um, so essentially the idea is like using the broad beans instead of basil. and But this time I used uh, pistachios instead of pine nuts and then parmesan and a little bit of lemon juice and garlic, ground it all up like you would pesto. It was so amazing. And I just had it with um, poached egg, veggies, and it was just so good. And then we had the leftovers with roast chicken salad. It was just the business. So Love broad bean season. <laughs> um, but anyway, plan for today is I'll just share the story behind this episode, like why I decided to talk about it. Then I'll share like how I approach feeding my children because I'm certainly not, you know, an expert in parenting or any anything like that. Uh, and a couple of areas where, where I could improve and then we'll share, finish it up with a key takeaway. So basically the story behind this episode is where I live. Um, it's in the country, like a rural community, and there's a really fantastic play group. So we started going when Fergal was like, before he was two. So I met some really awesome people there. Anyway, so I remember like having, we had a lot of conversations about child raising <laughs> and food and things. And one of my friends, Elizabeth, told me about, she was like, this is her approach. She'd read this book by Ellen Sutter. I'll link to that in the in the show notes. But and the book's called How to Get Your Kid to Eat, But Not Too Much. I did buy the book and read, read it quickly. But uh, like Elizabeth just summed up that approach for me. And basically it's, as a parent, it's your job to give your child access to you know, age-appropriate, nutritious food, uh, but it's not your job to get them to eat it. It's actually their job to decide how much they eat and how they eat and all those things. And just that approach of that, that mindset of like, okay, I just need to like put food on the table. They need to, like, it's up to them to do the rest, just took all the pressure off. And I just, it just made mealtimes so much more peaceful. And are my children the most amazing eaters in the world? Definitely not. Are they very conservative? Absolutely. But I, the the great thing is that mealtimes aren't stressful for us and they, they pretty much haven't ever been since I adopted this approach. And so I find it a really, like I, I found it really, really helpful. Um, and the other reason I decided to do this episode was coaching one of my clients and you know, helping her with her relationship with food, but she's got a son who's like just about to become a teenager and she's noticing like his food habits aren't, aren't great and, you know, his weight and all those sorts of things would be starting to become a problem. So it's like, oh yeah, it might be good to do an episode on this. So that's how I came to this approach with feeding children. Like that's that's the background to it. So uh, and I guess at the moment when I'm recording this, my I've got an my oldest is eight and a half. Uh, it's actually his half birthday 
next week. We're celebrating. Uh, we celebrate half birthdays in our family. It's really fun. And then my youngest is about to he'll turn six in a couple of months. So, so they're kind of, they're, you know, they're not little, they're not big. And yeah, they do, they do eat well, like they're well nourished. They're not starving. They're also not, you know, too on the other end of the spectrum. So I feel like it, it's working. <laughs> Other things that I wish were different, absolutely. But yeah, this is this, this is how I approach it. So one of the most important things I think is having structure. So we eat proper meals. So we sit down at the table and they have breakfast. Um, when they're going to school, they have morning tea. They call it crunch and sip where they have fruit. But at home, we usually just have breakfast and then we'll have lunch and then we'll have afternoon tea and dinner. And Mostly it's sitting at the table. Occasionally afternoon tea, if I'm doing something else, they might, you know, we, we, or we might be doing it out, we might be outside and they'll be, they might be walking around. But mostly we're sitting at the table uh, or at the kitchen bench and eating without distraction. So we have a rule, no toys at the table. If I had a dollar for every time I'd heard that, those words spoken, we'd be very incredibly wealthy. And that goes for all of us, no phones at the table, no toys at the table. And we, you know, we're focusing on the food and on, on spending time together when we're eating. So that's something that we've been doing for forever. And that whole thing of like when you have children, they're just like walking around the house eating randomly, like drives me crazy. So that's that's one thing we really focus on. The other thing that's a bit different that I got from this Ellen Sutter book, like I serve their dessert at, at the same time as their main course. So at dinner time, most every night they have some dark chocolate, so 70% cocoa solids. So, you know, it's nutritious stuff. I don't have a problem with them having chocolate every day. Um, but they... I, give them their chocolate at the same time as we serve up. And even to this day, my youngest mostly eats his chocolate before he eats his main meal. And the reason for doing that is so that you get out of this habit of, you know, you eat your dinner and then using dessert as a reward for eating your your dinner. Uh, the other thing we do is I don't make them clean their plate. So I really trust them to, and I want to encourage them to to have that confidence that they can listen to their bodies and know when they've had enough. And we don't second guess that. Like I'm not telling, because I don't know how much they need, <laughs> their body knows. So I trust them to, to self-regulate. So we, they're definitely not members of the clean plate club. They see me leaving food on my plate all the time as well. So that's just part of our family food culture. And so the idea behind serving the chocolate at the same time is that we get away from this you know, dessert as a reward for finishing your plate. And also this idea that you should be earning your dessert by eating healthy food first. Like I, I think that sets up a bit of like good food, bad food dichotomy. And, you know, there's totally a lot of reasons to eat and that are around nutrition. So I think having chocolate every day is great because it's teaching them to have a, a healthy relationship with sweets. Um, and then the other, so the other thing we do is like, we actually like, I've, you know, I have conversations with them about listening to their tummies. Like, but sometimes they'll ask me, you know, is that, have I, is that enough? Like, I guess I, I am, I'm not perfect. And I do kind of encourage them strongly sometimes to like if they haven't had any of their protein, like if they haven't had any of their chicken or sausages or whatever, I'll I will make a comment about it. But the Ellen Sutter book, she was like, you shouldn't comment. You should just let them do what they do. Like don't comment on it. I try not to, but I do kind of have that, oh, but you haven't eaten in the best part. <laughs> but yeah, we have conversations around listening to their tummy and we have conversations around there's a show, a cartoon that they watch called Toe Bots that has 
um, this character in it, Mr. Dillick, who's this, you know, quintessential slob, like this lazy guy who's just, he, there's even an episode where he's eating in his sleep. He's got robots like feeding him in his sleep. And he's, you know, of course, overweight. And so we have conversations around, you know, Mr. Dillick doesn't listen to his tummy and look what happens to him. So just, you know, that just from a, not from a like judgmental thing, just or a critical thing, just from a matter of fact, like that's, if you don't listen to your tummy, if you eat more than your tummy says you need to eat, then that's what's going to happen. So yeah, I encourage them to try everything, but I don't force it. So I don't, I've kind of given up putting everything on their plates because it seemed like a bit of a waste of time. Uh, so I serve them up the food that I think that they're going to like, if they, you know, there's always salad, there's always veggies there. So if they want them, they can ask for it. But uh, that, that <laughs> I, I live in hope of that day. Uh, then the other thing I do is that there's no food after dinner. And I make that clear. Like if they're leaving the table and they've hardly touched their dinner, I'll be like, there's not going to be any food later. Like the next food's not until breakfast, are you sure? And they'll be like, yeah, I'm sure. And then occasionally Fimba will like my youngest will ask for, he'll be like, oh, I'm hungry. And I'm like, well, too bad. And I'm I'm really strict with that. So he needs to wait until, until breakfast. And so they have that habit of having those circadian rhythms and of eating, eating meals. Uh, so something that I have done, but I'm not sure is a good idea or not, is I, my, with my youngest, he is really anti anything green. Like if you've got like, even if there's like a tiny bit of parsley in, um, some pasta or like a little bit of chive, ch- tiny chopped up chives in some pasta. He'll be like picking it out and and freaking out about it. So I did a deal with him that like I wasn't going to serve any green vegetables <laughs> to him and I'd like keep the green vegetables separate. But the, the, the deal was that when he's older, he, he will start eating vegetables one day. So just to sow that seed of an idea that this isn't for life. Uh, and the other And the other deal is that other color vegetables, he needs to at least try it. So carrots, cauliflower, or, you know, anything that's not green, he needs to he needs to try it. So he's we're both happy with that deal at the moment. It remains to be seen whether it was a good idea or not. We're doing a bit of an experiment. Uh, what else do we do? So the other thing, I do give them supplements. So again, is this sending the right message or not? I don't know. But you know, I take supplements for various reasons because I want to like you know. It's not just I, like I know I can get all the nutrients to survive from my food, and I eat so many vegetables. But there's things that I take, like magnesium uh, and vitamin C, that I think are beneficial to have above your food if you want to be extra healthy. Like it's not just a matter of survival if you want to really be thriving. And so, I don't have any problems with giving them supplements either. And they, you know, it's kind of a little bit of insurance <laughs> that they're getting their vitamins. So they take vitamin C. So they have vitamin C in the morning and at dinner time. Then in the morning, um, they have like a multivitamin, just a gummy. Two, I think two gummies per serve. So they have have those in the morning with their vitamin C. And then at dinner time, I give them a really high dose of. Um, a kid's fish oil, like omega-3 supplement. There's these little fish capsules that are highly flavored so they don't taste like fish at all and they love them. And I think it is expensive, but I, I think it's worth it. And there's so much research around the benefits of fish oil, particularly for brain development. And at that age when their brains really are developing, um, I think it's a good investment. Um, and so they have fish oil and they also have some vitamin C at dinner time as well. So the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, I am definitely not perfect with this and I'm sure I'm, you know, there's, there's a lot of room for improvement. I, I guess m- one of the 
my biggest beliefs is that particularly with, with all aspects of parenting, that modeling healthy behavior and modeling, like being the person that you want them to grow up to be is the best thing that you can do. So, you know, they know I love veggies. They see me eating veggies every meal. They um, see me eating my protein. They see me leaving food on my plate. They see me enjoying treats. Um, and it's interesting, like when they're te- when they're playing games with their teddies, like the, the they'll be telling me, oh, you know, Rudolph really loves cabbage and um, and Mr. Giraffe loves broccoli. broccoli. Like it's it's kind of cute that they, like the veggies that they know that I love, their teddies love as well. So even if they aren't eating them, <laughs> their teddies are in, in theory. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, that brings me to like room for improvement. I guess one thing that I could be doing that, that I've been thinking about is cooking cooking with them more. So we do uh, occasionally on the weekend, like they'll help me cook. Lunch on Saturday, like Fogel will often make pizza with pita bread. So he sometimes does that. And Finbar will, you know, butter his, he loves um, burger buns or hot dog buns. So he'll, you know, butter his bun and he'll do that. But every night, like when it's time for me to cook dinner, I give them screen time. So just for, so for, for peace and, and for, because I, you know, it's a nice wind down for the, for the day for them as well. So that's something that I've been thinking about, like how could I get them cook in the kitchen with me more? And it's coming up for school holidays now. So I'm looking forward to getting them involved in cooking more lunches and breakfasts and things, and maybe even a few dinners. Um, and the other thing I've been thinking about doing more of is having like you know, using more reverse psychology where it's like I'm serving vegetables and go, actually, no, you guys can't have this because this is for adults and it's really, you know, it's too good for kids. I don't, I'm not sure whether that would be good or not, but um, anyway, it's an, an idea that has crossed my mind. The key takeaway for today is really don't make your kids join the clean plate club, like trust them and help them that like we have this innate ability to listen to our appetites and to listen to our bodies. And one of the reasons why we are in this mess with the obesity epidemic, one of the many, many reasons, of course, so many people have been, have grown up and I did, including myself in this clean plate mentality. Um, So I think that's one really easy thing to stop doing. And then I think the other thing to to really focus on is just becoming an example of someone who has a healthy relationship with food. And when you are modeling that behavior, even if they aren't eating that, that way right now, they will get there. So that's it for today. Hope you have a beautiful week and I will catch you next week. Bye. Before you go, this is the best part. So if you enjoyed Joyful Eating, subscribe to the podcast and I'd love to send you a copy of my free cookbook called Six Ingredients, 20 Minutes, Simple Whole Foods for Joyful Weeknight Dinners. It's full of easy recipes so delicious they'll satisfy even the biggest food snob. Just Google Stone Soup and you'll find it.